Scripture just asks us a question. Who is sufficient for these things? God, we've gathered in your presence because of your grace and mercy. And we have again been reminded of your holiness. And God, we like Isaiah, when we get a glimpse of who you are and we we get a glimpse of of your glory and, and your holiness, we like Isaiah cry out and say, woe is me, I'm an, a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. But God, we rejoice. And the reality that we aren't sufficient for any of these things. And yet, here is our King, our King Jesus, who has come to rescue us, to redeem us, to restore us, and to cause our lives to be a part of His life, to be a part of His victory, to be the very aroma of Christ. Father, I'm not sufficient to portray these things in a way that deserves your glory. So God, would you come and would you speak through a broken vessel? And God, would you open up our ears to to give us the ability to hear the voice of our King? And would you expand our minds to understand what our King has done for us, what our King is doing through us? God, would you quarry deep our hearts and would you fill them with living waters, living waters of the good news of the gospel so that we can walk, leave here walking in a manner worthy of the name of Jesus, worthy of the gospel, so we could leave here being the aroma of Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Have you ever smelled anybody who just reeks of the aroma of garlic? You know, maybe they just had a great Italian meal or something, but you're, whoa, you can just tell as soon as you're in their presence, uh, I know where you've been. I know what you've had lately. Well, when I first got out of college, uh, Katie and I moved up into the New York City area before the ministry. I I worked on 34th and 9th uh, uh, for the phone company. And right across the street from where we worked was a fantastic, cheap, little Chinese restaurant. And for about four bucks, you could go get a pretty good lunch. I mean, it was like a, like a half a chicken and, and rice and, and uh, just for a few dollars have some amazingly tasting stuff. But one thing about that chicken, it was filled with garlic and that it tastes good. I'm telling you. But I tell you, when I, when I took the train home uh, that evening and I, I uh, uh, made my way down to the car where my wife was waiting for me, all I had to do was open the car and Katie would say, I know where you were for lunch. I know where you've been. You, you had that garlic chicken again, didn't you? And it was true. I mean, I, I couldn't give away where I was. The, the aroma uh, of just garlic coming out of me really portrayed where I was. Have you ever had someone have the aroma of Christ around you? Have you ever had someone who just uh, has that aroma of Christ? Well, the scripture tells us amazingly that we are called to be that. We as as God's children, for those of us who uh, by God's grace, uh, he has loved and set free and given us new life through Christ Jesus, that, that we as his family, we as his children, that we're to be the aroma of Christ. And we shouldn't be able to hide. 
who we've been with. We should never be able to hide whose we are just because we are that aroma of Christ. We want to say, well, how, how can we be that? How can we be the aroma of Christ? Well, the key of being the aroma of Christ is to be linked to Christ. It's to be in union with Christ, to be in fellowship with Christ. And and God's word unfolds for us this amazing mystery, this glorious truth that that sinners like us actually can be connected to Christ, that we can be uh, one with Christ Jesus. It's amazing. By God's grace, when we embrace Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Something mysteriously and miraculously and beautiful happens. It says we're actually a part of him. We've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. We spent a lot of time uh, this fall studying and wrestling with what does it mean to be uh, live a life that's demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? Because we're going to see that's the aroma of Christ. But as we looked at the fruit of the Spirit, we've looked at the fact that for us to, to be able to bear the fruit of the Spirit, to be that aroma, we got to be connected to Christ. And the way we're to do that in John 15, we kept on going back to John 15. You remember? In John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine of God. uh, That that in me, you are the branches. I am uh, the vine. And in me, you can do all things. In me, you will be the aroma of Christ. He also says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So really, how do we become the aroma of Christ? Well, we got to be connected to that true vine, and then we must bear the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that we've been studying, uh, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you know what that is, my beloved? It's the aroma of Christ. It's the presence of God in our lives. And God says, and he's always said it this way, I want to fill the whole earth with my glory. I want to fill the whole earth with with my presence. And I want to use you to do it. And here's how I want you to use you. I want you to be connected to me. I want you to find your life in me. I want you to walk in me. And I want you to bear the fruit of the relationship with me, that fruit of the Spirit. I want to lead you everywhere. I want to take your life, and I want your life to be, believe it or not, a victory parade. I want to use you, God's word says this way. God says, I want to use you in a way that I'm going to make you in your life a victory parade for me. And through you, I'm I'm going to tell everybody about what I have done for this world. Well, this week, this week is uh, uh, Thanksgiving, one of my favorite holidays. I don't know about you. I love Thanksgiving. I mean, tons of food, um, family, uh, uh, some good, some crazy, you know, always makes a little bit of Thanksgiving. Football, I mean, all the ingredients here, what else do you have? You got the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, uh, one of the biggest parades in America. What do they say about Americans? Everyone loves a parade. Well, the reality is, is that God apparently loves a parade too. And the text that's before us, this amazing text uh, in Ephesians 2 says that our lives are to be a victory parade. It says this, that God wants to use our very lives as a parade to spread the aroma of Christ everywhere we go. Well, how can our lives be a victory parade? Uh, well, he says, he says to us, let's look back at Ephesians 2.14. He says, we thanks be to God who, <clears throat> who in Christ Jesus always leads us in triumphal procession 
And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Well, when Paul was writing this to the people in his time, they could picture very clearly that Paul was unpacking a picture of a Roman king or a conqueror coming into town. I mean, it was a, a picture that, that a king would come forth and, and lead in a triumphal procession, uh, a triumphal procession that went off to war, and now he's coming back victorious. Here's what you would have in the mind's eye of the original readers. They'd be the sight of victory. They would see the conquering king leading the charge, and everybody saying, all hail the king. They'd be the spoils of victory. The king would be there and the victor, victory would be there. And behind him, trailing behind him would be captives. Trailing behind him would be the loot. Trailing behind him would basically say, look what we won. Look what we've done. Here are the spoils of victory. It also have, in Paul's day, the smell of victory. They would have incense burning as this king would come back to town victorious. And the incense would, would even remind you of the smell of victory. They'd certainly be the sounds of victory, hooting and hollering and uh, just proclaiming Yahoo for our king. The Bible tells us this. Your life and my life is to be the site of victory to the world. Your life and my life is the spoils of victory, what Christ has done for us. That our lives should have even the smell of victory even the sound. How? How can we do it? Well, it's Jesus. It's Jesus who will only give us this victory. It's being united to him in his victory because God has conquered us and we are in the train of his victory. Did you get that? Do you remember singing that great song just a few minutes ago? I see the Lord lifted up and the, and the train of his robe, it fills the temple and the whole earth is filled with what? His glory. And here is this amazing picture of Jesus as the conquering king who comes to rescue the lost, to come and subdue us to himself. And we are the ones who are in the train of his robe. We are the ones who are the spoils of victory. We are the ones who proclaim and fill this earth with his glory. The only way our lives can be a parade, the only, lives, our, our, only way our lives can be a victory parade is if we are connected and united to Jesus. Because God has given us victory in him. He's done two things that are amazing. He has taken us captive in his victory. As he takes us captive now, sinners like us who, who naturally on our own stink, who naturally on our own smell like death, now because he's conquered us can have the aroma of Christ. This amazing victory of Jesus who conquers our very hearts, he does something else. He's made us conquerors. He's conquered us. And amazingly has made us conquerors through his victory. So our lives, my brothers and sisters in Christ, our lives now should have a certain aroma to them. Certainly the aroma of Christ, but also more importantly, the aroma of Christ's victory. Let's look a little closer at this. What does it mean that we are captives of our conquering king? Well, Jesus has come and conquered our lives and our sin and our rebellion it's Jesus alone who's come and he's defeated all of his and our enemies, sin, death, and hell. Jesus has conquered for us. But he's also come to subdue our hearts. 
He's also caused us to lovingly bow to his throne. He's come so we can say, God, to you will you alone may I live. God, because you've come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because you've come as the ultimate conqueror, because, God, you've come to conquer sin. You've come to, listen, you know this about Jesus? He came to conquer the penalty of sin. Because scripture tells us that the penalty, the wages of sin is death. That Jesus came to sinners like us and says, I've come to conquer that penalty. That you and I now can stand in this holy God's presence, ready for this, justified. That even today, even now, sinners like us can forever be declared not guilty in Jesus' eyes, in God's holy eyes. Why? Because Jesus has come to conquer the penalty of sin for us. There's more than that. Jesus has come to conquer the power of sin in us. In Christ Jesus, he's taken that which was dead and he's made us alive in Christ Jesus. And now for the first time in him, walking in the spirit, we now have the power of the Holy Spirit to live lives that aren't just filled with sin. Yes, we still stumble. Yes, we still struggle. But now in Christ Jesus, he has conquered us and we have the ability uh, to not sin and live for his glory. We'll still stumble until the day he comes back and he removes the ability to even sin at all. But he is our, our conquering king who's taken us captive. You know what else he's taken captive? Our rebellious hearts. Our rebellious hearts. By God's grace, he's revealed to us who his son really is. He's the only way home. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's, he's taken our rebellion and he says, bow to me. Because God has taken us captive through Christ Jesus, our lives should now be in submission to him. Now, Orangewood, as we live our lives, we should realize that our king has come and he's conquered. He's not just king of this world, he's king of our lives. And now our lives should have the aroma of Christ in a way that we say, thy will be done. When we pray, we should say, God, uh, we realize we can call now, call you Abba, Father. We ask that your will would be done right here in my own life. God, I, I believe in who you are and who your son is. I lay my life before you. I lay all my hopes and dreams before you. You've conquered my heart and my soul. And now I live in submission for you because we are called to be captives of our great king. But there's more than that. We are also called to be conquerors of our victorious king. Romans 8.37 states that we Christians are conquerors in Christ. That we, the stumbling bunch of us, we're conquerors in Jesus Christ. That wherever Jesus leads us, we're to proclaim his victory. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4.8. Ephesians 4.8 picks up on this theme of, of uh, Christ's victory in Christ Jesus, what Paul is, is laying out. Paul here writes in Ephesians 4.8. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, this is Jesus, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Okay, what does that have to do with anything? Well, again, we have this picture of Jesus, this conquering king who came to rescue but it says something very unusual because what Paul is doing here is he's quoting Psalm 68. And if you go back and read Psalm 68, you will see almost word for word that, that verse we just read. 
But Psalm 68, verse 18 says something different. He says this conquering king came and he received gifts from men. This is what this means. That Jesus came who came to conquer our hearts. He came to do more than just conquer our hearts. He came to give us gifts. He came to give us the gift of life. He came to give us the gift of relationship. He came to give us the gift of adoption. He came to give us and for us to be conquerors over sin. The gift of that. He came to to give us the gift over, over death. I know this Thanksgiving there might be an empty chair. And that that empty chair is going to be very, very painful to be reminded of of the passing of a loved one. But do we understand the victory we have in Christ? Do we know that we're more than conquerors in him? Do we remember that not even death can separate us from the love of Christ? Holiday season is going to be a reminder of the pain and loss in our lives. But for those of us who have been conquered by King Jesus, for those of us who have been given the gift of life and the life eternally with King Jesus, we know that we can grieve for those who have lost, but we don't grieve without hope. That we have hope that we know that Jesus ultimately wins. That because Jesus lives, our loved ones in him live too. So Jesus comes, and he comes as conquering king, and although he should receive all gifts, everything to him, he gives it all to us. Isn't that amazing? And so now that our lives can proclaim his victory, he's given us the life, uh, the gift over death, the gift over the grave. He's also given us the gift of this Holy Spirit. And the gift of this Holy Spirit is to bear fruit in our lives. Why? So that you and I now could be the ones who are proclaiming victory. Remember I said to you that that this passage really conjures up uh, the image of a king coming in and and proclaiming uh, uh, victory. You could have the sights of victory. You could have the smells of victory, the sounds of victory. You could even have the spoils of victory. Do you know that that's what our life should be? That the world should be able to see us and say, wow, I see the sight of victory by God's grace and for his glory. He's taken those who were dead and look at the life they have in Christ. By God's grace and his glory, look what he's done. We should have the, the, the sights of victory. We, should, we are the spoils of victory. We should have the, the aroma of victory as Jesus is in our lives. It says this. It's amazing. It says, thanks be to God, Paul writes, because he always, look at that word, always leads us in triumphal procession to spread the good news of his victory, to spread the reign of his kingdom. He says basically this, that Jesus has come to rescue us as our conquering king. He's come to make us now conquerors. And how does the whole earth be filled with his glory? How does God now choose to fill the whole earth with his renown? He chooses you and me to live our lives for his glory, to bear his fruit. And hear how he does it. He leads us. And wherever he leads us, we are to spread the knowledge of him. We are to proclaim his victory through the fruit of the Spirit. We are the aroma of Christ. It means that we need to be living on mission for King Jesus. As we looked at the fact that the reality, he has come and he has captured our lives, and so we should live in submission to him. 
We also must realize that now we are to live on mission for King Jesus. God has brought us to himself through his son. God has shared with us the gifts of victory in Christ Jesus. God has given us life and life abundantly. Why? So that now we can be on mission for him wherever we go, wherever he leads us, whatever we do to proclaim the reality that Jesus lives, to proclaim the reality that Jesus is victorious, even in our own very lives. How do we do it? Well, Romans 12, 1 now says that therefore, those of us who are in Christ Jesus, that we are to live our lives as a living sacrifice to him. As we bear the fruit of the spirit, we are to be a living sacrifice to him. And this is a very interesting uh, word that, that Jesus, that scripture is using here, calling our lives to be a living sacrifice. Because a living sacrifice should have a certain aroma. For those of you who have been around God's word, maybe you read through the Old Testament. You read a lot about the sacrifices in the Old Testament. You read that it revealed that God was holy. And for sinful man to be in a relationship with God, there had to be a sacrifice. Because scripture says that we just can't walk into the throne room of God. That the only way we get there is through a sacrifice. And so in the Old Testament, it's filled with bulls and goats and and lambs being sacrificed. But it says something very interesting. About 45 times in the Old Testament, God says about these sacrifices, they were a pleasing aroma in his sight, in his nostrils. They were pleasing to him. But then you get to the New Testament, and the story unfolds even more. And you get to the writer of Hebrews, and the writer of Hebrews says this. It says, you know, uh, those, those bulls and those goats and those sacrifices and all the priests stay, standing over and over and over again and all those sacrifices, they didn't work. It says that the, bull, the blood of bulls and goats, it can't take away sin. What well, that's all about. How could it be a pleasing aroma? Because that sacrifice pointed to the one sacrifice that would be ultimately pleasing to God. The sacrifice of the spotless Lamb of God, His own Son, our Savior, this conquering King. See, all those sacrifices, all that blood in the Old Testament was just a symbol saying there's one coming and it's going to work. And the blood of this spotless lamb of God, he really is going to remove our sins. He really is going to robe us in righteousness. And that is the reality. That, that, that's the ultimate sacrifice that's, that's a pleasing aroma in God's nostrils, and his eyes. And now he says to us, he says to us that are Christians, he says, here's the deal. You don't have to kill any more blood or bulls or goats. You don't have to sacrifice any more animals. My son's sacrifice once and for all, it was sufficient. But now your life, now your life is to be a different kind of sacrifice. It's to be a living sacrifice. Now you're to live for me in my glory. Forget those animals. Now it's your life. And it's the sacrifice of my son in you. It's the spirit of the living God in you. It's you bearing the fruit of the spirit that now is this pleasing aroma to me. And now I want to fill the whole world with this living sacrifice that points to the reality 
of who I am. Let me ask you a question. Does your life feel like a victory parade? I mean, this is some strong language. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm up here preaching my heart out, saying basically that God wants to spread a knowledge of him through your life, being a living sacrifice and bearing fruit for him. Let me ask you a question. Does does your life feel like a victory parade? You know, there's a lot of churches these days that teach us that if we follow God and we follow his word and we love him, that supposedly our lives should be steering clear of any troubles of the world. We need to look back to Paul. What kind, of, what kind of life did Paul live? I mean, Paul's the one who's giving us this verbiage. Paul's the one who's saying, thanks be to God who always leads my life in triumphal procession. Who is this Paul? I mean, this Paul is a Paul that numerous times he was beaten. Numerous times he was stoned. I mean, this is Paul that was dragged out of the city, left for dead. I mean, this is a Paul that's been exiled out of cities and exiled out of the temple. I mean, this is Paul whose life was continually burdened. This is Paul who says, I bear in my own body the marks of Christ and the gospel. Here they are. But man, is this victory. Man, is it victory in Jesus Christ. I have no earthly idea why God sometimes wants to lead us in triumphal procession through some really dark valleys and some really difficult things. But the reality is, is he wants to proclaim his victory in and through us in some mountaintops that are glorious and some valleys that are very, very difficult. I've watched you do it. I've watched you be the aroma of Christ. I've watched you get diagnosed with cancer and and, and have to battle through it and have to see your body uh, be eaten away by the medicine, hoping to gain life and just to say, man, God, be the aroma of Christ in me and I'm so proud of you. I've watched you be the aroma of Christ through some amazing tears, through some hurt that is unbelievable. I don't know why. I don't know why God chooses to proclaim his victory through our lives sometimes through some of the darkest stuff ever. But scripture tells us, did you hear it? Thanks be to God who, when? Always, always leads us in triumphal uh, procession in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we have victory. Nothing's going to separate it. Not even death, not even demons, darkness, nothing will do it. We have victory in Christ. We live now and forever in Christ Jesus. And I know sometimes he's going to take us to places that we say, God, here, here do I have to be the aroma of Christ? Here do you want me to proclaim victory? Yes. What a privilege. What a privilege to walk through that darkness. I know some of you have had hard, hard stuff. But just remember, Jesus wants to proclaim his victory through you. Do you see how this all fits, my beloved Orangewood? As we bring this series to a close, do you see that we've been calling you to to bear the fruit of the Spirit? And the only way you and I could ever bear the fruit of the Spirit is to be united to Jesus, the true vine. And by doing so, we are the aroma of Christ. 
Do you see that? And then, then we realize that, wait a minute, it's more than just bear the fruit of the Spirit for no reason. That God, God wants us to do this because why? He wants it for his glory. Why? Because through us, he wants to proclaim his victory. Why? Because he wants to fill the world with the knowledge of him through your life. Let me just tell you, it just needs to be you by God's grace and faith hanging on to Jesus and loving him. I see your faces. Some of you got some storms going on right now. And I'm praying for you. And I, I know that some of you just don't feel like at all victory. And Thanksgiving is going to be a, just a tough time. Will you please look to Jesus? Would you please know that we're victorious in him? You know, we can't help the way we smell to the world. You know that, right? What I mean by that is we are called to be the aroma of Christ. And to some, to God and to those who are being saved, it will be the aroma of life. But to the world and to those who are perishing, do you know it will be the aroma of death? My mom turns 80 this week. And about a year ago, my mom and dad asked and helped provide the way for my brother and his wife and my sister and her husband and Katie and I to go on a cruise celebrating her 80 years of life. So last week, I, I was on my first cruise and uh, uh, amazing, uh, a lot, lot of, what, 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 I don't know if you guys have cruised before, but last Sunday, we decided as a family, because by God's grace, we are all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was Sunday, we said, let's have a little worship service. Uh, what we'll do is we're gonna meet in my mom and dad's cabin. They're the only one that had a little balcony, but still with four couples and a little cabin. Have you been on a cruise? I mean, there's not a lot of room right there, you know? So what we did is we had some people on the balcony and some people were inside and I had a few devotionals that we were gonna read. We said a couple prayers and, and I was gonna give a little homily. And the one who was gonna speak is kind of stood in the doorway so he could kind of talk to those outside, those inside. And, and we were kind of oblivious to anything around us and, and we weren't trying to do anything showy. We were just trying to worship God. And I noticed as we started getting going and as a few uh, devotionals were read in a prayer, uh, I noticed that there was some uh, talking uh, next door. At first, I didn't really notice anything about it, but I noticed it got louder and I noticed it got angrier. And pretty soon I noticed that it was actually cuss words and some of the worst cuss words directed at us and more importantly, directed at our God. And eventually a head goes around a little divider between the two balconies, and he just says, I don't appreciate hearing this blankety, blankety, blank. I tell you, I was shocked, I was stunned. My little bubble world doesn't usually get that. We were the aroma of Christ. And to the world, it will smell like death. So we quietly went inside and we closed the door and we prayed for him and we continued our service. And I gotta tell you, I was rattled. But I went back to John 15. Remember how many times this, this, this series I've taken us back to John 15, Jesus being the true vine? You know in John 15, Jesus says, now listen, the world's gonna hate you. The world hated me. And so therefore, by deduction, it will hate you living for me. But God's saying, I need you to be the aroma of Christ. And to some, you'll stink like death. You ever have a rodent die in your attic? That's what you're gonna smell like to the world. That's what we smell like to that guy next door. You know, we smell like that to the world right now that's perishing. 
But God said to some and to me, you'll be the aroma of life. That day ended kind of interesting. That day ended, I was talking to my sister and brother-in-law, and, and he's a, a headmaster of a Christian school in Tallahassee. And, and we were just, again, minding our business, having a conversation, and somebody was eavesdropping. And as we walked out of this little area that we were sitting in, I'm sure we were eating because that's all you do on a cruise, um, <laughs> I had someone stop me and say, hey, 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 brother, I want you to know I overheard you. And I'm a brother too. I want you to know I'm going to seminary. I want you to know that, that, that what God has done in my life. And I thought, man, the aroma of life. Right there in one day, I saw, just by trying to talk about the name of Jesus, the aroma of death, and the aroma of life. Do you know that God wants you to have your life as a victory parade? Well, if it's a parade, there's nothing like being in the parade, right? I got permission to tell this uh, just in between services of the very beautiful and very talented Charlotte Huber. Uh, I'm not looking over there too much. Uh, hey, Charlotte. Um, she told me that she's going to Chicago on Tuesday because she's going to be in the parade on Tuesday in Chicago. Is that not really cool? She's going to be able to pray, uh, play and be there on the Thanksgiving parade on Tuesday. Because, listen, there's something about watching a parade, but there's something about being in the parade. Let me ask you this final question. Are you in the parade? Are you in the parade proclaiming Jesus' victory with union with him? Or are you just watching the parade pass you by? God has this amazing invitation for us to come and be united to him, to come and lay our lives down to him and be his captive. God gives us this amazing call in our lives to come and proclaim his victory as his conquerors. How is it with you? Are you a part of the victory parade? Are you a conqueror who's conquering through your faith and love in Jesus Christ? Does your life have the aroma of Christ? See, one of the gifts that God gave us is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now he's asked us to put to death the, 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 the weeds of flesh and sin. Are you filled with the fruit of the Spirit? Are you putting to death the deeds of the flesh? Is there an aroma of sacrifice in our lives? Again, do we realize that God's calling us to be a living sacrifice for him? Is your life a victory parade? This Thanksgiving, you're going to see a parade. Remember what God has called you to and be grateful that you and I have the privilege of being in the ultimate parade. Let us pray. Now, Father God, what a conqueror your son, our Savior Jesus is. To be able to conquer and subdue us, wow. To remove our hearts of stone and to give us a heart of flesh by your grace to give us faith in your son Jesus as our Lord and Savior. What a conqueror Jesus is. And Jesus, it's amazing that you as the conquering king who, who leads the parade in triumph, that you give us gifts. We should be giving them to you. But you give us gifts of gifts of life and life abundantly in the Holy Spirit. And Father, we ask that for your glory, for the beauty of your church,
for this victory parade of Jesus, that God, you would cause us to be living sacrifices for you. That you would cause us to hunger and thirst after the fruit of the Spirit. That God, you'd remind us that we're, when we are the aroma of Christ, that to the world it's going to smell like death. But to those that you are rescuing, to those that are being saved, it will be the aroma of life. God, I don't know why you've chosen to use us to fill this earth with your glory. But I thank you that Jesus continually always leads us in triumph. God, I pray for those that are in a really dark place right now. Their life doesn't feel like victory. They feel like flying the white flag. God, I pray that in Christ Jesus, they would realize that there is victory. That even where they are in that pit, they are to be, and you will cause them to be, the aroma of Christ. Father, I pray for anyone here today who maybe has been just watching the parade. Maybe it's a young person that's been in church for a long time. Maybe it's an older person that just, maybe just today is getting ears to hear. God, I pray for each one of us, each soul in this room, that, God, you would not let us live another moment not in this parade. If there's anybody here that's just watching it, that by your grace and design, you'd rescue them and cause them to kneel to the conquering King Jesus, surrender their lives so that they too can taste his victory in Christ. They too can be free, free indeed. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.